Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 78, Chani Wolchansky, founder of Discovered Consulting. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. You know you've got a lot to offer the world, but you don't know where to begin. Your credit card gets declined at the store while you're with your kids shopping for the food to feed them. Your husband is working three jobs. You're both spread so thin and the debt at this point is five figures. What do you do? First of all, you start with today's episode. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. I have the incredible Hani Wilchansky on the show. Hani is the founder of Discovered Consulting, soon to be called School of Excellence, and she's killing it in the business world by teaching school leadership how to build excellent schools using her three-pronged approach. But as I said, Hani didn't always know she was going to be an entrepreneur or business owner, at least not in this sense, or that she'd be the breadwinner in her household. So what happened? happened? She's been breaking norms. How does one do that gracefully and with peace of mind? Sure, we talk about her business, but we also talk about so much more. Mentorship, core values, systems, role models. I think this one's for you, for all of us out there, because truth be told, many of us have to work for a living in order to afford the things that we have, that we value and want for our families. Can we do it, but not at the expense of our families and raising kids? My guest says we can. Listen up, ladies. Here's Hani Wilchansky. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Thank you for having me, Elle. I am super excited to connect with you today. Uh, me too. I want to talk all about your business and your journey towards entrepreneurship. Um, you are the founder of Discovered Consulting, and I understand you're rebranding soon. So I yes. want to get to that. But first, <laughs> tell us a little bit of what do you do? What is Discovered Consulting? I understand you found a certain void in 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 training for educators, particularly at the top, and you you mm-hmm. address certain problems. Walk us through those. What is it that sure. you're trying to accomplish? Sure. So actually, we're rebranding the business to School of Excellence because what we're doing and what, I, what we do in the company is giving the directors or the school leaders in early childhood centers the key pillars and principles that they need to build a school of excellence. So there's three principles when you're building a school. There's your daily operating principles, your leadership operating principles and your standard operating principles. And each of these flesh out to other components, which we won't go into here, but these are the three key principles that when you're building a school of excellence, when you want to have a collaborative culture and you truly want strategy, solution-based thinking, you need to understand the principles and the pillars that are the foundation of what we want to have in our school. So that's what we really work on with directors and behavioral change to bring that into their organizations. And so these three pillars that you're trying to address and really bring into the schools, when you... When you identified these as key, you mm-hmm. didn't just you don't just see it in Jewish institutions. This is all across the board, right? This is all across the board. Board and specifically, I work with early childhood. Um, I only work actually with early childhood locations, so from birth to five, six years old. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, yeah. so 
can you can you dissect those very briefly for us daily operation sure leadership? yeah sure so the three pillars of a school of excellence the reason that we chose these is because these have the ripple effect that the director wants because we all say things like oh i want a collaborative culture i want you know a school of excellence i want teachers that take ownership i want yeah. teachers that take initiative but here's what we need to understand your school culture is an effect of the leader's daily behaviors, actions, thoughts, and emotions, period. Hmm. What the director does and the energy she brings into every single room is, is that what she does, that's gonna have a ripple effect on everything that happens in the organization. So your daily operating principles are how you show up to meetings, how you show up with your time management, the effect that you have on your environment, your routines, your behaviors. Um, our leadership operating principles are the three key stakeholders in a school, the director, yourself, mm -hmm. the teachers, and the parents. And your standard operating principles are the three buckets of how we create excellence, which is your communication standards, your school philosophy standards, and the classroom management standards. Oh my gosh, this is fascinating. Honey, are your, your kids' school scared of you? Uh, uh, so <laughs> Here she comes, she knows it all. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a teacher anymore, so, you know, but, but what's, what's interesting is that when I come into into the school um, and you know my my kids teachers me but I always tell them what like they're always like oh my god I'm always telling one thing I said you are the expert in my child's life this year period you are their teacher um, I'm coming to you for counsel for support I don't know the answers to everything especially not with my child you're the my child's teacher I want your help so please um, please give me the support that I'm looking for as a parent hmm. um, so it's a very important uh, distinction that I make when I you know work with my kids teachers yeah so that's a perfect segue to my next question, which is yeah. you, you now consult, you're consulting the leadership. Obviously, all of this is strategic. And one could assume that you come from a consulting background, but you yeah. really came from the field. You came from teaching. Yeah. So how, does, how did that transition happen? Yeah, so there's, it, it's funny because I get asked this question a lot and there's no one specific like thing that happened that you know set the course of the journey. It was so many moving parts coming together all at the same time. Um, uh, when I was a teacher, I was already coaching and mentoring other teachers um, that had, you know, master's degrees and certified and lots of years, many more years of experience than I did. Um, but one of the things that I have that is definitely my superpower, and this is something that I talk with directors all the time, you have to find the teacher's superpower. I'm extremely strategic and solution-based. Um, so when I come into a classroom, I never sit with the problem for a long time. I'm immediately looking for what is the root cause What's the root cause analysis? How am I diagnosing this? And what's the solution to the problem? Mm -hmm. Quickly, right away, boom, boom, boom. So that's why when I was coaching, you know, other teachers that were in the location, um, I was already in that mentorship role. And then I started doing, you know, workshops for other teachers and for schools just around the tri-state area where, you know, where I was living. Um, so that's like where the journey kind of started. What kind of took the hard left to work with leaders specifically is, um, I was uh, working in a school and um, there was a teacher there who I knew from, you know, a previous life. Um, and I knew her very, very well. And I came into her classroom just to like hang out, observe, just, you know, see what was going on. I missed the classroom. I hadn't been in the classroom for a while. And she was like a completely different person. I was like, okay, seriously, am I looking at her twin? Like, w like, what is this here? Mm -hmm. um, and when we went out for lunch after, I was like, what's up? And she's like, honey, you don't understand. This school sucks me for everything that they can get out of me. 
I was like, but you're like, you were like a superstar in your other school. Like you were so creative and innovative. The parents loved you. The kids loved you. Like you're just, you're a different person. She's like, yeah, well, that's what happens when you get sucked the life out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow. And that is like, that was a huge aha moment for me to realize. Cause she, she had just left the job three months earlier. Okay. This wasn't a year. It was three months. She was burned she, out already. Boom. She was, she just became a different person in three months. Mm. And that was like, this is leadership. This is environment. This is a thousand percent environment. This is not her because three months ago she was a different person. And that has truly uh, sparked my journey towards understanding and studying um, and looking at data of what truly affects schools and, or, um, you know, specific schools and early childhood locations, you know, more specifically. But, you know, honey, when I hear you, one could say, you could have stayed as an administrator, right? You could have taken an administrative role in, a, in, in either in the school you were working for at another school. Yeah. But you took it to a whole new level. Yes. yes. So it's very interesting. I, I got offered actually 13 different positions oh. um, <laughs> to be directors. I was offered a dir- like 13 different people asked me to be a director in different locations. Um, and I said no to all of them. And the reason I said no is like, a different part, you know, answering kind of like a different question. But, you know, four years ago when I, my husband and I sat down and we decided, you know, I really want to go back to school. I want to get my master's in special ed. Um, I want to pursue higher education because, you know, I just, I want more from what I'm doing. I'm very satisfied in the classroom. I love it. It's great. Um, but I think I've kind of, you know, capped out of what, you know, of what my capabilities are in the classroom and I'm capable of so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, I can make a bigger impact and I, you know, I think it's time for me to get out of the classroom. Um, and so when I was in school studying and I was giving workshops at the time, um, my husband was actually holding down three jobs so we could keep a roof over our head. He was mm-hmm. keeping down his main job and two freelancing jobs. Um, and he always told me, he's like, Connie, you have amazing gifts and talents. You're going to go really, really big places. And I got to be here to support you through that. Um, we didn't know where this was going to go even like we had no idea I was going to start my own business or anything. It was more about just the vision of like, you're destined for a lot greater than where you are right now. Uh, not that just, being a teacher isn't great. Let me backtrack <laughs> for one second. So you're doing sure. your master's, he's working yeah. his tail off, and mm-hmm. you have a little bit of a side hustle going doing these yeah. workshops for whoever yeah. calls you and you yeah. do that on the side. But you yeah. you both understand that there's a lot more to you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was when I finally decided to invest in a mentor uh-huh. Um, that made the biggest, um, I mean, that's where my business skyrocketed. You know, it was finding the right mentor that said, you know, what you're doing is crazy. You can't do workshops at 200 bucks a workshop. You know, you're working 10 hours and getting paid, what, like 50 cents an hour. Like that's, that's not a business. That's a really expensive hobby, my dear. Um, mm-hmm. so that's when, you know, we switched the business model and that's where, you know, blessings, the business really, really took off. So. Let's let's go through this mentorship thing because sure. I think it's such a key Jewish principle. This idea yes. of having a mentor. Yes. So, yes. so since it's been so pivotal for you, why don't you walk yes. us through how did you find the right person? Because sure. it's not an easy process. No. Uh, no at no. least at least in my <laughs> personal experience. Yes. Yes. So the first thing I want to uh, clear up is that mentorship is not in one. Like I have several different mentors. You know, I have a mentor who I go to just for you know my like personal issues, marriage kids, um, Jewish life, um, making the right decisions for our kids' education, the trajectory of where we're going as far as, you know, our education. Like I have a mentor that I turn to, um, as far as 
as far as that goes. Then I have a business mentor, okay. right? Two different things. Um, so I, I think the first thing, you know, for those people that are listening to this is that mentorship is not one person. It's not like, oh, I have to find the perfect mentor that can satisfy all the needs, um, you know, that I'm looking to grow in my life. That doesn't exist, right? You, nice. You're finding a mentor for different areas that you want to grow in your life. So and I was looking for a business mentor. Um, one of the things that I was looking for was for someone that had real business um, experience, not online business experience, but, you know, you know, boots to the street, like someone who really went out there, did the work, built businesses, like really, really knew what they were talking about. Another key component for me was a person that had a family. Um, I have I have a family. We have four kids, Baruch Hashem, and um, having a mentor that understood um, what it means to raise a family and build a business and have young kids was super important to me. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that someone who has kids and hires a mentor who doesn't have kids can't help them. Absolutely not. But that was something that was important to me. Um, and a lot of other things. But just these are just two of the things that were very important to me when I was looking for a mentor. Yeah, that's critical. Was Did you choose a woman or a man? Was that in no. consideration? Uh, it's really funny. He's actually a man. Um, was it ever a consideration? No, it wasn't like, oh, I have to go with a woman or no, it was okay. more about who was the right fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in your, it just, this is the last on mentorship, but did, did that person have to have be Jewish or have to have a sense no. of understanding of that part of your life? No, it was more a person who was for me, because again, you know, I'm a religious Jew, um, I'm entering a business field where, you know, I'm the only Jew in my business group. Um, and so for me, it was more about looking for someone that was attracting a diverse, eclectic group of people, mm -hmm. um, that was not just tolerant of people from all walks of life, but actually embraced the fact that diversity is, is what's going to raise this group up. So, um, in our group, there's, I, I mean, I think we have every walk of life in our group. So, and I love that. Um, so to me, that was important as well. That's great. I, I love, I love listening to these answers. Uh, what about the financial aspect? Cause I think that's something that holds us yeah. back because invest, oh this is an investment people. Oh, like, yeah. It's not a joke. And from what I understand at this point, you're not making that much money. So how did you decide to take the plunge? Did you do that yourself? Did your husband push you? Walk me through that thought process. Um, I was terrified, but I knew that, you know, Albert Einstein has a famous quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. So if we want a different result, you have to do something different. And that means truly betting on yourself. Um, and so I did. I mean, we took the plunge and I have never looked back. It's been amazing. I mean, we're closing 2018 at 5x the revenue that I did when I first invested in my mentor. So um, that's pretty impressive. And that's how many how many years ago did you start? Two years. Two years I started with him. That's so. Two Unreal. years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been incredible. Now, again, um, another just last thing on mentorship, um, a mentor is not the, you know, savior, like magic potion pouring on you. Like, okay, now you're going to be successful. Right. I work my tail off. Um, and you know, having the right mentor to, you know, help you navigate. And as you climb that mountain, but you got to do the work. So people that are listening, yes, find the right mentor, but you have to be ready to you have to be ready to do the work. By the way, you, your mentor was not specific to the field of education or anything like no. that. This is general no. business. Okay. Yeah, good to know. Business, no experience in, in education. I mean, he's got little kids, but right. um, 
Yeah. Right, right, right. Amazing yeah. story, Hani. I love it. I love how you Thank walked you. us through that. Um, yeah. So I, I understand that this puts you not only now your business is doing something unique because really not that many people are doing what you're doing, but I yeah. understand that it puts you also in a unique position at, in, in the world of personal finance and yes. when it comes to mo- money, because I understand you're now officially the breadwinner or the higher yeah. earning, you know, partner in the marriage, yeah. which is, yeah. which is rare in secular culture, but I think it's even rarer in our, yes. you know, more observant 100%. world. <laughs> yes. Very rare. So that's a big cultural shift. I mean, how yeah. did that play out in your marriage? I, I already get the sense that your husband's pretty awesome. But, um, but, but talk us about that because there's a circle of friends, there's family, there's just a whole Uh, culture. Yes. So let's start with first our inner culture, like who we are as people and how we look at ourselves. Cause I think that's like the first culture we need to look in. Like, uh, in our, you know, in our circles, the, the reason why it's kind of, while, why it's not so common, um, why it's not common at all actually is because, the way that we're raised is that the man goes out to work, the women are here to raise the family, be with the kids, raise the family, you know, take care of the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so traditionally, if you're home and you're taking care of the kids and you're taking care of the family, you can't, like, there, there's kind of like a ceiling of like how much you can actually earn and what kind of job you can actually take and, you know, and whatever it is. Um, so I think, I think that that's like the first thing of realizing a shift in going out and building a business and starting a career does not have to come at the expense of being there for your family, of being present as a mother and taking care of your home. Um, when I think of, okay, so I'm, I'm going to go off for a second here, but when talking about decision-making mm-hmm. as a business owner, as a parent, um, as a spouse, we're constantly making decisions every single day. And if we don't have core values that we anchor and filter our decision-making through, um, I think that's where we can get tripped up. And I know for myself that when I make a decision that's out of alignment with what my values are, I feel icky inside. It feels uncomfortable. I get overwhelmed. I start crying. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Like I kind of go off the rails. Um, and so we really want to anchor like, okay, what are these core values for me? It's faith. It's being a Jew and connection. And so when I am filtering decisions, like, okay, is this in alignment with who I am as a Jew mm-hmm. and connection to my family? Is this in alignment with my family? Is, is this going to sacrifice my family right now? I just got offered a position, uh, two weeks ago. Someone asked me to come uh, do a workshop. She was going to fly me down and do a whole thing. Like money was not an issue. Like she was just like, whatever you want. Open. Like she was just, she was offering me everything. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Um, what's the date when you want me to come? And she said, Friday afternoon. And I said, I love you, my dear. Um, I don't fly out on Friday afternoons because I need to be home with my family for Shabbos. Um, that doesn't mean that saying no was easy, but it's in alignment with my values. So the answer comes, comes quicker. Um, so, I don't know why I started going off on that. I forgot. What your I don't know, but I love it because let me tell you, it goes, what you yeah. say, it's, it's for our business decisions. Yes. It's, it's even yeah. for the small, I always tell people it's all, it's for the small and the big financial decisions in our lives, right? If you yeah. haven't established with your spouse, what your family's core values are, yes. Yes. it's like, yes. I always said, show me your bank statement and I will show you which, w- w- what your values are and you better. Oh yeah. What you spend sure. money on. Yeah. <laughs> right? oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Oh, so you were saying about the marriage. So I, I think also it's the way that Mayor and I, my husband's name is Mayor. It's the way that we 
you know, perceive also the money that comes in, you know, it's not, I make this, you make that it's, this is the, it's one pot. This is where the money comes in and this is what it's used for. You know, it's used for education. It's used for, you know, obviously food, shelter, what, you know, basic human needs. Um, and then, you know, everything else that we, that we spend our money on, but it's never like, I make more money. So I get to have more decision-making power. I get to have this or no, like this is, we're a unit. The right. family's only as strong as the leaders of a family. The leaders in a family are mom and dad. Um, and so I never look at it from that perspective. Like it's not something like, oh, I bring in more. It's a very, like, it's a very, it's an afterthought. But again, it goes, uh, it really goes back to that first statement that you made about core values, because yes. if your a mayor's values are your children's Jewish education, your yeah. marriage, kosher yeah. food, family yeah. time, religious holidays. If those yeah. are your values, then yeah. all of those decisions are made towards that. So if that means that Hani needs to boost her business so that we can pay for tuition and we can, yes. you know, have beautiful holidays. All yeah. the, right. Does that make yeah. sense? A hundred percent. Like, yes. Holidays. Like we'll talk about that soon. Holidays cost a lot of money. You know, <laughs> yeah. like whenever we look at statements, I'm always like, one second, how is it? How do we spend so much more money this month? It's like, Oh, well it was Tishri, you know, right. like we had every week was every three days was another holiday. So yes. So important um, to recognize that, um, just, I guess like the cycle of, of the Jewish calendar and how there are amazing holidays and, and it, it does, it costs money, but it's, it's a beautiful place to spend our money. It's so a, yeah, a, the, the best place to spend the your best money. Place. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. mayor's yeah. all in his supportive. Yes. However, yes. again, going back to our little yeah. culture, you know, there are in-laws, there are sisters-in-law, there are friends, yeah. you know, how, how, how do those conversations happen or did they not happen? So it's very interesting. Um, I guess I kind of really still steer clear of those kinds of conversations. I don't. Um, but honey, you yeah. are counterculture. I know Kren Heights. Yes. You are counterculture. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I guess I'm being very, very, uh, I'm being very specific about the choice of words that I'm going to be using right now. Um, cause I don't know who's going to be listening to this episode. Um, I, I think for me, it's, you know, I don't think how many of my siblings actually know, you know, that the business does bring in more now that it's on an episode, you know, now they know, but, um, but I don't think it's because it's not such a topic of conversation mm -hmm. and I don't really talk about my business a lot. Um, when we're at family gatherings simply because, you know, my, no one in my family does have, you know, their own business. So we, we kind of, the conversation really stays on like family on, um, you know, how the kids are doing, how our parents are doing, you know, it's, it's, you know, who moved recent, like, it's just, we keep the conversation in a very parv, um, if you would say, um, uh, topic. Um, I think for me, what I was more concerned about was how, how mayor feels about it in connection with like his siblings, his brothers, um, you know, cause they're all the breadwinners in their family. Um, and it's very interesting. And this is, this is such a good example of like, you know, when we don't have data or real data, we're going to make up stories. Like mm -hmm. I was making up a story in my head that I was like, Oh my God, mayor for sure feels so bad about the fact. Like, and he's like, are you kidding me? Like, I feel amazing. Like this is, this is amazing that you're able to do this. Like, um, it doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we make up stories in our head because of our, like the social narratives that we grew up with. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't create new stories in your head. 
A hundred percent. Again, I'm just going to go back to Hani's statement. It goes back to yeah. the core values because if you're yeah. listening to this, you see that yeah. she's made the decision and so has obviously her husband not to really care what anybody thinks, but to do what's yeah. right for their family, yeah. what works yeah. for them and for their personal lives. And that doesn't mean it's an easy decision every single day. It's, right. It comes with a lot of really thinking um it comes you know sometimes stomach aches from thinking so much or you know worrying so much but but i think that that for me is a journey for both of us um of knowing whose opinion you need to care about because it's not that you're not supposed to care about anyone's opinion it's you know who are you listening to who are your mentors and and whose whose thoughts and and conversations are you actually you know taking it to heart so right 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 so honey i want i'm curious about failure if there were any just because i often hear my guests correlate a personal failure or a set of failures throughout their life that clearly led them to where you are today and we know that you know you you realize that you want to be doing more teaching but do you think um in your case, maybe there were certain particular challenges that kind of put you over the edge and you said, no, I, because not everybody takes the plunge. Like even if it's yeah. in your mind and your heart, and even if your husband feels like you could be doing a lot more, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. was there something that really put you and you said, I'm going for this. I'm, I'm getting a mentor, I'm investing or, you know, was there a tipping point at some point? It's twofold. Number one, when I started my business, we were $30,000 in debt. Mm. Um, and so the tipping point, I mean, there's a number of different tipping points, you know, that I, I said the story, um, I said the story before, but I'll say it here again, cause it's, it's worth mentioning again. Um, I was grocery shopping and I was, um, eight, nine months pregnant with, um, with my third child at the time. And, um, for those of you that know Crown Heights grocery shopping on a Thursday afternoon is not really the place to have your credit card declined. Um, the lines are, the the lines are out the door. Everyone's rushing. It's madness. It's Arab Shabbos. Like just, just get out of the line. Um, kind of thing. Um, and my card was declined once, twice, three times. And the guy's like, okay, you got to move to the side. I call my husband, I'm like, Mayor, the card's declined, like, I'm, I'm dying here. So he gives me another card, I pay, it goes through, I come home, and I don't even know how many hours I cried for, but mm-hmm. I made two promises. I said, number one, I am going to take my family out of debt come hell or high water, and number two, I will never go grocery shopping again. Oh, I love and that. I have, <laughs> and I have kept both of those promises. I have never gone grocery shopping in four years. My husband does all the grocery shopping. Um, he's also awesome at it. He's so much better. He finds all the sales. He just doesn't like, he's just so much better. Um, so he does the grocery shopping and we pulled our family out of debt. So I think a big tipping point was, was realizing that the income that my mayor and I were both bringing in at that time, there was no way we were going to be able to pull our family out of that. No way. I have to do something. I have to do something drastic. The other thing is, is that I, I have a tremendous amount of intrinsic motivation and drive I have a I, I love to hustle I have a lot that I just I'm, I'm built I know that I like hard stuff I do I'm really attracted to hard work mm-hmm. um I like not to work hard for the sake of working hard I like investing in something putting in hard work um and seeing what comes out on the other side so I think that those two are you know those uh tipping points for me yeah I can totally relate on that I it, we've we've had many many episodes on this show talking about getting out of debt and really I mean it's an awesome feeling I've I've done it with my husband and it's like it's so incredibly liberating yes Um, yes truly liberating and and putting your 
you know, your ducks in alignment with your spouse in terms of, you know, where you want your money to be going yeah. is very, very cool for the marriage, I think. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I love it my is. money dates. I always tell my husband, these are the best dates. Yeah. I mean, we go on dates for other reasons, but we also yeah. usually have a regular weekly money date and I find it fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and just going back to what you were saying before that, yes, you know, a lot of people have a supportive husband, have like alignment together, but they still don't take the plunge because it's, it's it's terrifying um and that's where you know betting on yourself and 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 investing in a mentor i mean yeah yeah those two have been game changer for me yeah 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 and again going back i mean having a family was of the utmost importance obviously and having providing your kids with a jewish education etc all these things were important so if you can't so if those are your values, again, then what am I going to do to satisfy those? Exactly. So that means getting out of debt. That means yep. making more money, you know, and that's what it does. That's what yes. it does. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, yes, having a family was number one priority. So now we have to figure out how we're going to make the, the family work. Exactly. <laughs> and you, you, I assume you both come from large families, right? Yes, I'm one of eight. My husband's one of nine. So Very, very yeah. nice. Very yeah. nice. So, honey, yeah. there's... A lot that's been said out there about work-life balance and women and motherhood and working mothers and all that. And obviously you're, you're in, you're in that position. So, but, but as you said, a lot of those conversations, as you, you know, pointed out early, we have a different lifestyle when it comes to all the high expenses and the, you know, just the days off of the calendar that we're not producing money perhaps or, you know, and it's like, it's like I said to, I had a guest on the show, Abby Pogerman, who wrote about the entire Jewish calendar. And I said to Abby, I loved your work, but Abby, there's a lot of pre-work, the preparation, you know, we don't just show up at four o'clock and the meal is ready. It entailed hours of shopping and planning, right? So, so talk to us about that balance, because I don't know that it's really bad. Balance. It's uh, really not the right uh, word. Um, yeah. Give us some tips from the trenches. What does it take to make it all work and still be like you seem very sane and fulfilled <laughs> and, and centered and yes. pretty happy? Yes. Yes. Um, oh, there's so many. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. We're like. I, well, I guess let's start with systems yeah. because you're a systems expert. Sure. So I have a feeling that at home you have yeah. it all down nailed to a well, system. We have systems. 100% there are systems for every Friday afternoon, for Thursdays, for every Shabbos, for holidays. Yes, there are systems for everything um, because systems are going. That doesn't mean that you don't have flexibility um, or adaptability when it comes to the system because, you know, we don't plan, you know, craziness. Like sometimes craziness just happens, oh, but yeah. you got you got to have the system. So yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're going into the winter right now. Shabbos comes in at what? Four o'clock, four fifteen is candle lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so systems are from Thursday, like the table is set that, you know, the night before already for, for, for Friday night. Um, the list is made on Thursday, Thursday, on Wednesday, Thursday, my husband goes shopping. Um, we make the menu on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, my husband goes shopping. He brings on all the food. My cleaning lady unpacks everything and organizes everything in the fridge. Friday morning, I wake up at seven. We start, you know, we have a whole product line We start with challah. Then I move on to soup. Then, you know, there's a whole, um, distribution line of what distribution line of food um that so your fridays that, are blocked in your calendar you don't work yeah. on fridays no friday is my personal day it's when i i so i cook so an hour in the morning with the kids we make the holiday together before the kids go to school um every friday morning and then the kids go off to school then i have about 45 minutes that i put everything on the fires and in the oven mm-hmm. and then my personal trainer comes um nice. we work 
work out together. By the time she leaves, all the food is pretty much boiling and ready to, um, you know, be put out on the counter to cool off and everything. So by 11 o'clock, um, Shabbos is already cooked. And every Friday at 11, my husband and I actually go out for lunch together before the kids come home. Um, oh, very so nice. 12.30 when we get home, Shabbos is cooked. We had our time together and now the kids get home at 1230. So yes, that's just, you know, our weekly system. So I think it's very, again, you know, just for people that are listening, creating a system takes time that works for you. It's really backtracking and saying, okay, what has been causing the most like stress, anxiety or problem that keeps on coming up on Friday afternoon? Like, you know, how come we keep coming into Friday, you know, keep coming into Shabbos exhausted, like, you know, racing against the bell. Um, so, and then just moving backwards from there, like we want to be ready, you know, at this time. So what, what needs to happen and just moving backwards in that way. Hmm. It sounds like the way you would approach the problems when you were in the class, when you were observing classrooms. Yes. What Mm -hmm. don't I want to see happening? What's going on? Or what do I want to see? You know, what, what would be an ideal state for me? Like when I light the candles on Friday night, what do I want to be feeling? What do I want my house to look like? And what do I want to be feeling inside? Mm -hmm. What, because we all know people that are listening. What, what happens like 10 seconds before candle lighting? That is when everything (laughs) happens. That's when every single argument will start brewing that's when the kids are fighting. That's when you and your spouse are just like, oh my God, what is going on? Like, Honey, every- never, never, yeah, please. Never, of course not, right? But that's when it goes on, right? So that's when it goes down. So so we want to say, okay, how do we make sure this doesn't happen, right? How could we come into Shabbos with beauty, with grace, with peacefulness? And, and that's the way we enter Shabbos now. And it's amazing. Yep, I love it. Well, I have a personal one for you. Maybe you can help me develop one. There's one stress point that we haven't figured out. And, yeah. and we always talk about this, my husband and I. It's yeah. the Shabbos invita- guest invitation. It's like, <laughs> for me, my Shabbos <laughs> is not a Shabbos without guests. Okay, let me just I put agree. it out. It's one it's of my like, core values. I, but I then we you. used to have the system where by Wednesday, all the guests were invited that was our cutoff point that way it was like done we knew who's coming more or less you know an approximate number and the shopping and the menu but then as life got busier and busier then it's like oh we forgot to call and were you supposed to call was I supposed to call so Matt's (laughs) like maybe we should have a calendar system where they just click here and they they sign up for a shop that is terrible (laughs) I mean in theory it's beautiful but it's a little bit impersonal it's so impersonal yeah it's so impersonal it's 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 guess I mean some of our guests we book out, you know, a couple of weeks in advance. We have our regulars that come once a month. Um, and then, you know, and then we also, you know, just invite our neighbors, our friends. My husband works in the yeshiva, so he invites a lot of times he'll invite the boys to come over. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of single friends that live in Crown Heights. So I invite them over. But typically a, a lot of our guests are kind of on a reoccurring calendar. Like they come, you know, every third week or whatever it is. And then we also like to just have, you know, just our family. Like sometimes we don't have guests, you know, it's just, just the family. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah I don't know what to do, honey. I, I need yeah. a system. I don't think there's a simple <laughs> answer to that. It's, 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 yeah. The Calendly link. I'm telling you, no, I'm be- going to tell my husband that he's going to, he's going to laugh. Sorry. He's going to be like, seriously, you're not her sister. You both guys, you both should be <laughs> Calendly together. <laughs> no, because what happens is you start texting, but they yeah, don't get back yeah. to you. And then you forgot uh, to follow up and that whatever falls through the cracks. And then before you know it, your kids ask you Friday morning, who's coming? And you're like, who's coming? I don't even know who's coming. <laughs> But you know who to call them the last minute people, right? Yeah, That's like, I know. I but love it. Even- You're like, oh, I was thinking about Shabbos until now. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Honey. 
we got obviously we have to meet in person honey okay. i know I'm, co- right? I'm coming to new york <laughs> in spanish gonna- in spanish we have a saying i don't know if we say this in english but it's like yeah. we're cut from the same scissor I don't yes, know. Yes, yeah? yes, yes, yes. There's cut from the same cloth. There's there's a lot of different okay. uh, expressions so, like that. Yeah, totally agree with you. Yeah. So everybody out there, that's us apparently. Yeah. All right. Yes. Honey, female yeah. role models in your family. Yes. I mean, you're such an awesome lady. Talk to me yeah. about the awesome women in your family. Yeah, when I think about, you know, a female role model, I think about my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother. She grew up in Russia. Uh, she left in the late 60s. This is a whole story in itself how they escaped there with uh, her family. They were six kids at the time, actually. Um, the seventh one was born in Israel. But um, she's been, she was, she'd been through a lot in her life. My grandfather sat in jail twice for, you know, for just being Jewish. Um, mm-hmm. And she had a very, very difficult life in Russia. And then they moved to Israel, then they moved to California, and then they eventually moved to New Jersey. Um, and growing up and being around her, you would never know what she had been through in her life, ever. She had so much sacrifice to keep to keep the kids with their spirit of Yiddishkeit inside of them to make sure that they had the education that they needed to to make sure that they all left Russia with a real sense of Jewish pride in them um she was the happiest person ever always smiling always laughing always cracking jokes putting on performances making concerts like just hilarious you would never know what she'd been through and to me when I think of a role model I think of a person that you know we're all going to go through challenges in our life we're all going to you know we're all going to experience road bumps and obstacles and it's how we rise up from them and when I think of a role model I think of a person that can rise up from a challenge with so much happiness and joy um for me, that's, you know, that's a role model. Yeah, that's really so beautiful to, yeah. to see that from the earlier generation. And yeah. here we are younger and we see, you know, so much, uh, we have so much abundance and so much to be grateful yes. for, yet half of us or even Ugh. more struggling with just, just plain old happiness, you know? Yeah. So it's a we, practice. Being happy is about practicing gratitude. It's about every single day. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I agree with that. It's, you know, at the dinner table, every single night we go around, the kids share their gratitude of the day. You know, what are you grateful for today? What, um, you know, what brought you joy? What, what did, you know, how did you push yourself today? What, what did you do that was brave? Um, it's, it's a practice and you want to instill it in the kids from when they're young. I love it. I love it. How yeah. do you manage your work hours, Khani? Um, we talked about your system on Friday, but like, yeah. as a, as a, I'm sure you work a lot from home, you know, how does that, are you very strict with your, you know, cutting off when they come from home from school? Yes. Yeah, so, I work typically, um, I start at like 9.30ish around mm-hmm. um, or sometimes a little earlier if I'm doing team meetings. Um, and then I have a hard cutoff at 2.30, 2.45 the latest um, because my kids start getting home at around 3.20. So I like to have a good 20, 25 minutes for myself just to pull myself back together before everyone starts coming into the house. Um, my phone gets turned off during that time from when they come home um, until around 7.30, 7.45 after they're sleeping is when it gets turned back on again. Um, during launches, like during very, very busy seasons, um, sometimes mayor, like when, you know, till 2.30 is not enough time. I There's just, there's too many other things that have to be done. Mm-hmm. They, they will take the kids out of the house so I can finish up. But once they come into the house, I close up. Mm. And so you have somebody who comes and help you cook dinner or you have to pull that in the like, so dinner, yeah, so dinner actually happens. My daughter gets home at 320. And then we have an hour until the older kids get home. So we make dinner together. 
Oh, very nice. Yeah, it's really fun. Yes. But I take a dinner in the morning. I already know what I'm cooking. And then it's like the 45 minutes we prep together. Um, and she loves it. It's our special time. So. Very, very, yeah. very nice. Honey, yeah. right now with your business, if um, if there's, I'm sure there's parents listening and they say, well, yeah. I, I, I see a lot of issues with my kids' school. I want a woman like this to help them through <laughs> it. I mean, is that how it usually works? You have, you find that it comes from parents who find, or, or are the, is the administration recognizing their own problems and finding you? Um, I don't come through parents. I come from I'm saying the people who call me are the school leaders. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I have systems and frameworks of how we create and cultivate parent partnerships because parents are the lifeblood of a school. Right. Um, without parents, you don't have kids, you don't have anything. Um, so we have specific frameworks and models that we work with and how to cultivate and nurture parent relationships, um, which is a whole different topic. But the people that reach out to me are the school leaders. Very nice. And I assume yeah. your clients at this point are not just Jewish preschools. Yes, we have a, yeah, it's, it's very eclectic uh, group of people. And I love it because we all learn from each other. Um, it's super inspiring, the, the group that we have of school leaders that work together. Very, very, very nice. Honey, let's yeah. wrap up with what I call yeah. JLP fill in the blanks. So uh, indulge me here. I'll give you a sentence and you'll Fill it with, you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Great. All right. I'm Hani Wolchansky, and I feel most spiritual when? When I'm lighting Shabbos candles. I when I That's mine light too. Shabbos candles, just daven for my kids, for myself. Ask Hashem for a beautiful week. Um, definitely my most spiritual moment. I know. I love it yeah. too. My yeah. favorite, this is a little bit, could be a little bit different. It could be the same. My favorite yep. mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is? Uh, baking challah, for sure. Mm. I, lo I, I love, love, first of all, I love baking. And I love that baking challah is a mitzvah. Like, I think that's amazing. So um, I love it. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. I never do store-bought challah. I can't. It's like against my religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are meant for like dire emergencies when you're coming home from the hospital after you had a baby. Yes, yeah, yeah, exa exactly, exactly. Yeah. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Um, I have two really. You know, I grew up Chabad and I, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, my parents are shluchim there and some of my fondest memories are driving into Crown Heights late at night, coming in to get, you know, a dollar from the Lavacher ever getting Kaisal Bracha. That is definitely from of like you know my youngest sweetest memories but when I think of like a Jewish memory that I've really passed on to my kids is after we like the Hanukkah Monero we used to um dance around the Monero together with like just the whole family would all sing songs together and dance around and then play dreidel um mm -hmm. and that is a beautiful tradition that I brought into my family as well so I think those would be two of my fondest memories. Very, very nice. Having yeah. grown up in um, Shlichus, or for listeners who are not familiar with the term, and Shlichud as an emissary of the Lubavitcher Rebbe in New Jersey, was following the same path as your parents ever a consideration? Oh my gosh, yeah. I didn't, <laughs> until I started my business, I always thought I was going to go out on Shlichus. Mm -hmm. um, it was, yeah, until like, what, five years ago even, I, I we always thought we were going to move out on Shlichus. Um, oh, mayor as well absolutely absolutely um so at what point do you realize so but this is a, this is a mindset sh mindset oh, shift of, of, of understanding that you are doing 
Yes. and what you're 100%, 100%. doing. 100%. I mean, my gosh, I've been through so many ups and downs in this journey. Um, mm-hmm. I think also for me, the one of the biggest things that anchor me when it comes to Shulchas and really, you know, the purpose and meaning in my life and giving back is um, I teach once a week in the Base Rifka College. I teach the early childhood course there to girls that um, eventually go out and teach in our schools, you know, Very and so cool. that is really special. And also giving staka back to these organizations like the fact that you know i have the ability to give charity is tremendous and you know for me i look at it as bachelor as well like giving back um to different educational organizations chabad organizations like i'm grateful for that and i look at that as a huge part of my shlokas. i love it i love it yeah. something i wished i learned i something i wish i had learned about judaism growing up is that money is a tool. It is not good. It is not bad. It is not anything. It's a tool. It magnifies who you are as a person. And if you have beautiful midas that are anchored in your values, then money is an amazing tool that will help you do incredible things in this world. Well, you and just dropping in some of my conversations, honey. <laughs> <laughs> then you and I talk about this all the time. I'm constantly having this conversation with him. How are we ensuring that our children get the message that money is a tool it is not something that if you have it you all of a sudden become this you know not nice person um no if you're an amazing individual and you're anchored in who you are then money is an amazing tool to do amazing things with so yeah 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 sometimes we get we really get the wrong messaging and it's uh, hardwired right yes yes so hardwired and i'm still filtering it out of my brains but we're getting there we're getting there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right. Do you think it uh, also from your family? I mean, growing up in Russia, yeah. people come with all these uh, issues and, you know, they translate into, I don't know. Yeah, again, like, I mean, there's so many, you know, growing up, again, my parents are on Shulchas, so my father would fundraise all the time. And so, you know, when I think about wealthy people, I think about the people that would come to our house or the people that would give my parents money. Not all of them were the nicest people. So, you know, when I think about just personality wise, like they would give a lot of charity, but in their personality or the way that they raise their kids or, you know, their kids were very, you know, indulgent or, you know, entitled. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to have kids like that. I guess I should stay with money if I don't want to have indulgent kids, you know, meanwhile, that's could not be farther from the truth. Like right. has nothing to do. So yeah, but it's a social narrative that you grow up with. So yeah. 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 When I give, you said this already, but I'm still yeah. going to ask it when I give tzedakah, I like to give to, um, so I like to give to Chabad organizations. You know, my parents are on Shulchas. I have four siblings. Mayor has siblings on Shulchas. So we like to give to a lot of the Chabad organizations that we can. Mm, very nice. I'm sure it makes yeah. for a lot of fun places to travel to. With your yes. Family. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Finally, I'm Hani. Wolchanski and today I'm most grateful for my family my amazing supportive spouse and my four beautiful kids who just constantly teach me how to be a better person very nice honey what are the ages of your kids I didn't ask you yeah my son is one um my daughter is she'll be four in a week um and then I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old oh so little kids honey you have your hands full like me still Yes, 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 I do. Yes. But it goes by very fast. Honey, where can we find you? When can, where can we keep updated about everything you're doing with Discovered Consulting? And hopefully somebody else, somebody out there will reach out to you to get some help. (laughs) 
Yeah, you can find me at discoveredconsulting.com. Um, we have a lot of free resources, PDFs, checklists, some great uh, tools and resources uh, to help you build your school of excellence. Um, and that's where you can connect with me. So, Honey, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for yeah. the work that you're doing, building schools of excellence. I can't think of a more amazing, amazing job. I mean, really, this is just so important for our future, for our, for our children. Thank you. Kola kavod to you. Much atzlacha. Thank you. And uh, please come back and chat with me about all the new. I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more coming from you. So I want to I want to be updated. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really this was this is really, really enjoyable. And um, I hope it was helpful for people that are listening and inspired. So thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thanks to Khani Wolchansky for stopping by. Her website is discoveredconsulting.com and you can find her on Facebook at Discovered Consulting. Thanks again for being here. I know you have a lot of choices of podcasts out there, so thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few seconds to leave a review and rating on iTunes. That is the best way to let iTunes know that this is a show worth recommending to listeners out there. And if you know of a uniquely talented Jewish woman whom you'd like me to feature on the show, please reach out to me, Yael, at at jewishlatinprincess.com and of course you know that you have a lot of friends and family who will enjoy this content why not give them a reminder not everyone is yet familiar with podcasting so hey share away spread the love finally I want to remind everybody that if you're in Houston please join me on November 11th at the Friendship Walk a day of family fun and entertainment in support of Houston's Friendship Circle at 1.30pm at Congregation Beth Yushurin you can register at houstonfriendshipwalk.com and if you'd like to give a donation to my my Friendship Walk fundraising page. I'd love for you to do that. You can do it at houstonfriendshipwalk.com forward slash Yael Trush. Are you a fan of Friendship Circle in your city? Let me know. I'd love to hear. Have a great week, ladies. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.